Hi, I'm Johnny Varvel, UK's Editor-in-Chief, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the Varvel Football Podcast. This podcast aims to bring you insight, debate, and entertainment from some of the best and brightest young sports journalists from around the world. Please do give us a listen. You've already started, so I'd recommend staying for a little bit longer at least. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, then please do give us a subscribe. And even better, give us a positive review. Positive reviews are a great way to expand our reach. Not only would this mean a lot to me, but it would mean a lot to over 300 writers that write regularly for Varvel UK. We hope to get as many of them on this podcast as we possibly can over the course of the 2021 to 22 season. Anyway, enough of my waffle. Let's get straight into this. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Ah, welcome back to another Varvel Football Podcast, a podcast that actually this week was going to be a top four special, but then Tottenham and Arsenal decided they didn't want to play this week. So it didn't really make sense to do a top four special. Also, Brad's on athletic duty. So again, it didn't really make sense to do that. Of course, we brought Adam Doyle on, myself and Harry. We've got Adam Doyle on and Adam Doyle's team, Liverpool, are probably not really in the top four. Now they're, they're well past that, aren't you? Yeah, well, yeah. I'm gonna, I am going i do not want to talk about title hopes, or, but top four, I think we've got just about... You're liking it. You're liking that nether region, aren't you? Between too good for the top four and then just not close enough to Manchester City. Yeah, well, City are just a city, aren't they? I think everyone's resigned to that now. It's just it started off at oh, there's going to be this three horse race, and we're all going to have such a good season watching yeah. these teams battle like ours. And then you realise who City are, and then yeah. they win about fifty billion games in a row. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like three horses and then half halfway down the line, yeah. uh, they put it's the horse on the truck and the truck drove off. Yeah. 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 yeah, one of those, really, one of those. And Harry's also here, full of optimism with his, uh, with the new ownership of Newcastle United. So it was only fitting that Newcastle United actually on the pitch sobered that up a little bit. Yeah, pretty spot on, to be fair. like It's, it's the best time to support Newcastle. Everything's great about the club, except the players on the pitch. <laughs> I feel it's going to be like that for a while, so just have to get used to it for now. <laughs> that's that's a really wonderful summary, actually. Really wonderful, how poetic, and there's a, lots of symbolism you could probably draw out of that. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a crazy week. I mean, we're all here on Zoom, not at any work events, are we, boys? Not at any work events. No parties. No parties. Oh, even in oh. prime, can't do it quite like Antidet, can we? We're not quite yeah. as good as those. Not quite as good as those. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been absolutely mental. Uh, amid all of that, we have had some football. We've had some football cancelled. Burnley Leicester was cancelled. Tottenham Arsenal was cancelled. Just to start on that, actually, generally the topic of cancellation in can, cancelling football matches. Sorry, it's been a bit of a controversial one, hasn't it? And some people say, well, you know, the Premier League really messed this up when they allowed teams to start cancelling games right at the start for pretty much anything. And you can't really blame teams now for following that trend as opposed to trying to just plough through regardless, can you, Harry? No, you cannot. And I think it's fair enough. Like I see likes of Gary Neville kicking off saying you know, Arsenal should be fielding a team. Da, 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 da. But I think you, you look at the league, it's like if Man City, if they had like they were missing 10 players due to COVID, their mm. youth players could come in and would walk into half the sides in the Premier League. Mm. That'll apply for Chelsea as well, where our two teams, Burnley and Newcastle, mm. if we lose 10 first team players, mm. we're crying for the game to get called off because we know we're going to lose. Yeah. So might be different if the, if the new owners sign a you know a billion pounds worth of talent in the next week, then I'd still want to called off. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Pull them all off for me. What do you think, Adam? Uh, maybe from the Liverpool perspective, you look at Arsenal, do you think... I mean, it's quite ironic because Liverpool did actually have the recent uh, Carabao Cup semi-final cancelled for similar reasons. And obviously Arsenal have had their recent match with Tottenham postponed. So what are your thoughts on it maybe from the other side? I, I suppose it's it's a, a position now where so many clubs have done it, it's sort of become accepted amongst football fans. And this kick-off this week because of... Gary Neville always seems to, you know, whenever he talks and everyone kicks off on Twitter and it becomes this really topical situation. I think Twitter absolutely lost their minds when Liverpool done it, but it wasn't as much of a, you know, a topic to talk about when it, all the other teams done it prior to Liverpool doing it. So mm. the whole thing's a bit of a mess. And the, the Premier League shot themselves in the foot the second they allowed the first one to happen because 
whoever whoever follows afterwards asking for postponement will always say, "Oh well, you let them do it, so why are you not letting us do it?" Yeah, and then it's it just becomes this this constant reoccurrence, and it, it's just an absolute mess. Hmm. But I suppose the Arsenal situation, they'll look at it as though. Well, we've not done it too. We, I don't know. Have they done it prior to this? I'm, I'm mm. not too sure. So they'll just be saying, well, look, other teams have done it. We've got every right to do it. Mm. And within the rules of the league, they're, they're absolutely, it's within their rights to do that. So mm. in terms of a football spectacle, we've lost out on a North London derby. But Arsenal have got every right to do it, the, the way that the rules are set at the moment. So I've got no hard feelings for them. It's just the Premier League and, and the people that, you know, set the regulations at the start of the season. They, they must have knew this was going to happen at some point. Yeah, Harry, do you think it should have always been strictly COVID only uh, in this situation, as opposed to COVID and other absences like injuries, AFCON and, you know, whatnot, attending work parties? <laughs> Hard to say, really, though. Like, it, it Oh, you would say that, I suppose, wouldn't you? Oh, sorry, let me rephrase, let me rephrase. Would you, do you think it should have been like a COVID thing or do you think it should have been COVID and if Alan St. Maxman and Callum Wilson are out injured? Well, Bob Burnley postponing games just because it's the best striker. No, <laughs> no, no, that one no, back no, at you. no, no, no. It's all fake news. I just think it's, um, yeah, I, no, to be fair, I think, I think regardless of the situation and regardless of the opinion that you have, the Premier League really shot themselves in the foot by being so ambiguous at the start and not strictly saying this is down to COVID, that, that that's why we're in the situation that we are in. Really, it should have been just the COVID, but then at the same time, I suppose you could argue that three or four COVID cases on top of injuries, on top of other reasons to be out, decimates a squad. You know, so if you Especially take those when you're of... playing three games a week, which exactly. we are in this yeah. Christmas period as well. Exactly. Yeah. So if you take those three or four COVID cases out of it and say, well, you know, if they were back, then, this, then we wouldn't be having to field, you know, three or four players or put four or five players in from the academy. So I suppose you do have to look at it from that perspective and, and have a bit of have a bit of nuance in that argument. Um, on to the football then, I suppose. So there was, as you say, there wasn't a North London derby. There wasn't a, a Burnley-Leicester clash without Chris Wood, as, as Harry says. But there were some things that, there, you know, there was there was some action that happened this week. I guess we could start with, with, with Liverpool, Adam, because, you know, you're here. Liverpool are winning. And even though they're winning convincingly without Sadio Mane and Mo Salah, like you sort of hinted at at the start, there's still that element of frustration that maybe these wins aren't going to be meaning quite as much as they could be if it wasn't for a runaway train that is Manchester City, who the day before beat a very good Chelsea team 1-0 to push further ahead in the in the title race. Yeah, and, and I suppose the Liverpool players will, will believe it's not done yet. And, and I suppose you know they're going to have to... Um, it was quite telling at full time today. Klopp was at, Klopp went towards the cop and started, you know, beating his chest as he does almost to say, "Look, it's not over yet." Mm. And he had that real, you know, fight in his eyes, and he really wanted everybody to get behind this this effort now. Um, but it's quite hard when you just see me, Man City winning every single week. Mm. Um, and, and to be honest, Liverpool won today, but they were honestly really, really poor. That the as the the scoreline was very kind on them because. Brentford didn't have much going forward, but they could have. They could have, you know, if, if they had a bit more, a bit more fight about them and a bit more belief in in what they're doing, they, they could have gone one or two in a lot. I thought Liverpool was really sloppy, mm-hmm. and I don't. I'm not sure if you, you saw the game on Thursday against Arsenal. It was pretty much a carbon mm-hmm. copy of that, and we couldn't break them down. If it, if it wasn't for that that set piece goal today, Fabinho, where it was horrific defending from them. It would have been no nil at half time, and then it gets to sixty, and it's no nil, and then the nerves in the stadium, and we all know what it's like. You know, if you can't break a team down at sixteen, the fans are all sort of, you know, the murmuring, and they're all moaning and groaning. It translates to the players. Hmm. It's it's a weird situation for Liverpool because the the second in the league, they've got a game in hand on Chelsea. They could, I think, the gap could be eight points if they win the game in hand against Leeds. Hmm. So it's not it's not done, but it'd be a gigantic shock to see City blow this now. Yeah, and just before we move on to Harry, actually, as well, we'll we'll, we'll talk about this in a lot more depth later. There was a little cheer, chanting of Rafa Benitez, was there not, in, across Anfield uh, after the news that he was dismissed by Everton? 
Yeah, it was. He's a, regardless of of his appointments at Everton and, and everything that happens. I suppose we can say that now, having failed at Everton, but he is a Liverpool legend for for what happens in Istanbul and, and you know how he managed under the circumstances he did with the owners mm. that we had at the time. And he's he's just a genuinely nice bloke, and and you know the, all this agent Rafa stuff has, has popped up now, and Liverpool fans are loving it and bathing in that. But uh, yeah, he's. A, I made up that he's still getting the love from Liverpool fans because I think when he got appointed, there was a few people. Was some people were still ah oh, well, I love I love the guy regardless, and some were saying well he's he's burnt this bridge now. So you know it, it was quite quite nice to see to see that, and, and hopefully that passes on to him that he sees that he's still liked by some people in Merseyside. Mm. Yeah, we'll talk about Rafa Benitez a lot more in a little while. Harry, when it comes to, as, as, as Adam sort of said there, uh, it was a scrappy Liverpool win, albeit a 3-0 win, so very flattering. But when you go back to the way Manchester City played against Chelsea, even though Chelsea had one or two chances, it was such a dominant display, wasn't it, generally by City in that game? And, I mean, there seems to be a lot of people... It seems to be fashionable to hate Manchester City because they spent lots of money... You know, season on season, 100 million pounds top up with Jack Grealish this season. He hasn't really necessarily lived up to that price tag. But there's a lot of clubs that spend a lot of money and they spend it very poorly. And Manchester City just, they don't do the. There's, you could probably count on one hand in the past five or six years the amount of poor signings that Manchester City have made. Uh, and that's testament to a fantastic structure, albeit with a lot of money and a lot of finance. It's an absolutely wonderful setup, isn't it, that, that Manchester City have got? Guardiola, transfer uh, team uh, and owner, they're all working in sync brilliantly. It's incredible how you've got two massive clubs in that city yeah. and they're complete polar opposites Correct. despite spending the same amount of money. Mm. Look at the mess Man United are in compared to City. Mm. Yeah. I think Man United squads, act, I think they've actually spent more money than them, haven't awesome. they? Or it's, there's like 20 or 30 million in it between the two mm. sides, but everything Manchester City do, yeah. they're so slick. They've got the for me, I know Adam will say Klopp, but Pep's the best manager in the world. Didn't you say Tuchel? I, I say Tuchel. I said Tuchel. <laughs> I said Guardiola. This is no, controversy. When he, was do- when he was doing very well. <laughs> when he was but... doing well. Nah, I've, t- I've turned on him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, Pep, Pep's, a, Pep's the man. And <laughs> Are they, are they going to lose a game this season, realistically? They're going to lose yeah, another game. Yeah, it, 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 it happens. happens. This is- Whenever I talk to my Liverpool or my mates who are Liverpool fans, and we're trying to, you know, you sit, you sit at the pub and you try to work out where can we make these eight, eight points up, where can we make this, and you're going through every game. It's like, mm. no, they'll win that and they'll win that, and you get to the end of the season, you're like, oh shit, they won every game. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, the thing is, they'll lose to like a Norwich or someone, you know, they'll not, they'll well, not lose. I'm, know, I'm like grasping onto the fact that they drew nil nil to Southampton, and I'm hoping that they do that a few times. And then you know we're back at a level there. You know we're level. But on you guys got to win every game now, haven't you? Exactly. And chance. It's not going to happen because we're just mm. too inconsistent. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I tell you what, as well, it's it's a small thing, but whenever Guardiola speaks after a game or before a game, you just completely captivated, aren't you, by what he says? You know how he how he breaks down games, how he analyzes the opposition. He always speaks with such grace, as well, doesn't he? I know he doesn't lose many I games. Love, I love Pep. He's, he's great. So I've done a few press conferences and that with him after Newcastle games. And obviously they beat, us 4-0. Yeah. they beat us 4-0 a few weeks back. And you come in the press conference and usually after a 4-0 away win, you, you turn on goal up. The lads were fantastic there. Mm. Done everything right. Yeah. Nah, first half, worst performance I've seen all season. Yeah. They yeah. were 2 up at half time. Yeah. So that's just a testament to the, the standards that he sets for that team. And look, it's reaping the rewards and... Like Adam said there, Liverpool are probably going to have to win every single game now to win the title. And that's incredible when you look back at previous years. And like Leicester won the league on, was it 77 points they were champions? And it now was, I think it was low 80s, wasn't it? I think. I think when they were confirmed champions, it was 77 points. Oh, yeah, points. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And now you, need, now you need 100 to overhaul them. So, incredible. Yeah. I just, I just sort of I widened that statement out as well, actually, Adam, as well, because I think Jürgen Klopp and Thomas Tuchel also, when you hear those, those people speak, and... Antonio Conte as well, I think, um, to to an extent as well. When you listen to these people speak, you have a real appreciation, don't you, for the elite level managers out there. Uh, I, I think uh, Klopp and Tuchel tactically, Tuchel particularly tactically, is a genius, much like Pep. 
uh, Guardiola. And then, of course, with Antonio Conte, you get this sense of an almost mafia-like boss who wants a stranglehold over his club uh, in, in, in the best positive, best possible way, man, because his, his, his methods are completely proven across Europe. We're very lucky to have, you know, the calibre of coaches that we do in this league. And, you know, Guardiola is, is a master of working with the, the very best players mm. in the world. And he said himself, you know, if I didn't work with the best, I probably wouldn't be classed as the best. But he does work with the absolute best players in the world. But does he, he though? Or does he make them the best? Does he work with a really good uh, level? He, he, they're very good. We, could, let, let, we yeah. can't. He, he does, and I'm not trying to play down his role within no. their development because he's a fantastic coach. And I think what you know, the, the clip went around social media the other week where I think it might have been part of the documentary or something from the, the in-house station that City have got. And it was the players in, in winter all you know looked like they were all freezing and some had injuries. And Guardiola was just saying, look. To, to be champions, you don't feel pain, you don't feel this, you've got to carry on going. And, you know, the management style to, to do that continually, and, you know, I can't, I don't even, Liverpool won it the one year, I'll, I'll definitely remember that. But it feels like they've won the league every year, haven't they, prior to that and, and since. And they're just really mesmerising how they can continue to do it. And it'd be so interesting, I've had this conversation with, you know, various people, when Guardiola goes, will City continue this dominance? And, and you know they've got the you know, they've got the ability to bring in such great players, but they've also already got players at the club. And I think it'll be telling how dominant and how great Guardiola is once he leaves. We won't realise it until he's gone. And if City can't continue that dominance, then it'll be telling of you know just how great he was that he was be able to continue to motivate that squad. Mm. No, it absolutely will be. It absolutely will be. Um, again, I'm, I'm sort of holding off on Benitez. It's the big story. I think there's so much to go at and we've got a few other things to discuss before, I think. So like building the suspense on one of those TV series, you know, the best episodes at the end, et cetera. But uh, we've got to go to Newcastle because that was an interesting event this week. You know, my, my own team, Burnley and, and Harry's own team, Newcastle, big transfer transaction came out of nowhere, really, didn't it? Uh, Harry said, in, in message something along the lines of, "Why do you think he'll come to a uh, to to?" I can't, that's terrible. That's the worst. <laughs> that's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Never do that again. Oh wait, <laughs> he said, "Can I?" Did you hear that? How you Yeah, yeah. He said, "Do you?" I can't. I'll get. We'll get there at the end. He said, "Do you think he'll come to?" And I and I honestly and I think many people reporters said, "No, no, 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 no." Then all of a sudden, a buyout clause out of nowhere, twenty five million goes to Newcastle. Um. At the time, I remember the, the general reaction from people around Burnley and, and the club and the journalist was shock, panic a bit, I suppose. Um, and the general feeling around Newcastle, I'd say was probably about 60% positive because they were about 40% oh, saying, why haven't we signed Mbappe, man? There we go. That's better, isn't it? Um, and they were, they were sort of, maybe more, maybe more. You probably know better. So, for, but obviously... It's not. It's not obviously going to be the the, the signing that solves all the problems. As, as Saturday showed, I guess one nil up, quite dominant against a very poor Watford side. I thought, and and then regressed, sat back, sat back, sat back, invited pressure, invited pressure. And let's be. And I'm going to be honest. Before Watford scored their equaliser, which was really well taken equaliser by João Pedro, they should have had. A, well, Josh King went through poor touch. Should probably score if he doesn't have the poor touch. And then Sissoko with the, one of the worst finishes you're likely to see when in front of goal. Classic Musa Sissoko, some would say. But Newcastle had ridden the look before that goal a little bit, hadn't they? Because before, even you would say, we say before we went on, before St. Maximan scored, well, that was the first shot on target. And it was also the last shot on target, I think. Yeah, there's a big issue with, with Newcastle. I think it's more of a mentality thing more than anything else. And got all the money in the world, they're looking to sign players every day they're probably working on it now but you can't buy you know confidence and this is what this team needs desperately I mean if Ismail Asar was playing for Watford yesterday they would have won that game comfortably Mm. because I think he takes a few of them chances that that Josh King didn't overall the game I mean we spoke about it on our own podcast and we turned around and said like is a draw that disastrous and we're like "Mm, not really it was a must not lose more than anything Mm. I think look a win would have been fantastic look would have went to Leeds next week and at least we would have had some confidence, but I just yeah. think there's a, a stumbling block there mentally. They cannot win games to save their lives. And yeah. there's issues all over the pitch. I mean, look, they brought in Kieran Trippier, which 
he's an excellent sign and you can tell mm. you know he's, he's a class above anything that we've got at the minute but it was more of a luxury buy because they didn't really need a right, a, back. A right back priority wise it's, it's actually quite low and Chris Woods we needed to bring him in because we needed a striker because mm. Callum Wilson was out for eight weeks but the big mm. issues going into the window were the defence and the, and the midfield they needed mm. two centre-halves and they needed a proper number six and I think that would have showed us up but they've not been able to do that and I think we've we've seen that because Jamal Lascelles and, and Fabian Shaw I feel sorry for them I just want to take them out the side. It's it's actually unfair on them that they're having to play because they're not up to it. And have you told stands, Jamal that personally? Well, yeah, well. you tried to in your other video. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll explain it. So what happened was I done a little post match video for my portfolio, and I was talking basically like I'm talking now, saying look, the defense is not good enough, and they need reinforcements, and that might breed some confidence. And yeah, Jamal the cells walks past as I'm talking about yeah. that so. as, as I insinuated before there might be a middle finger in the background of that video which goes into the portfolio you put that on social media and get a few likes yeah, Newcastle they're just an issue because they can't win football matches and if you well, can't that's a problem isn't it matches, yeah. you, you, you can't stay in the league they've got the ability to score a goal but they'll always concede mm. so where does that leave them I do not know but Johnny you obviously watched that game yeah I did two yeah. big rivals yeah how do you fancy Burnley's chances now, seeing that game play out yesterday? I'll be honest, I know, well, obviously, you expect us to spend more money. Yes. But do you think you can get out of it realistically? Well, uh, you know, I, I watch every game with my neutral hat on and, uh, and a nice brew, maybe, or something stronger. It was a brew yesterday. Um, and I think that it looked, like a te- it looked like a clash between two teams that could possibly go down. And that it absolutely did. Even when Watford were sitting deep, Newcastle weren't really doing anything. One, some of the worst defending I've ever seen from Watford that, that got set maximum the goal. It was absolutely abject. Gakia. But uh, yeah, I, I just think it had that such a feel of two teams that could possibly go down. And from that display, you have to say from Burnley's perspective, and a winning Norwich's perspective, you've got to say, well, what is this to fear, really? The, the, the only thing you can say is that you ex- I would expect Newcastle to get another two players in probably whether that's even enough i don't know there there, there are, it was what i found interesting with newcastle was like you say there are spring there is a sprinkling in that lineup of really top quality players top draw quality players set maximum being one Trippier being another shelvy in patches looking like he could um you know pull the strings in midfield but then there's a bigger splattering of you know simply you know, under under par players in starting positions. And that's the worry. That's why there needs to be a massive transfer surge. I'm going to actually ask Adam, bring Adam in on this because sort of ties in with the Benitez chat we're going to have earlier. Harry's metaphorically shaking his head because he knows what's coming now. But I think, obviously, Newcastle moved on Eddie Howe and that was seen as as a fairly decent appointment at the time when Steve Bruce sadly lost his job. But... Harry laughs in the background on mute. But can, in my mind, Rafa Benitez, who's just left his job at Everton, would have been the perfect fit for Newcastle again in this situation. For me, this is a team that cannot defend, cannot defend, and they sort of have a few goals in the with St. Maximan, Wilson, whatnot. Eddie Howe's come in and he's a very progressive coach. He wants to play on the front foot, attacking football, what Newcastle fans want. But the big problem is they can't defend. And every time they try and play attacking football, they look hopeless at the back. Okay, go back a few years under Rafa Benitez. Rafa Benitez had virtually the same squad, no set maximum, no Wilson, and he got them 13. And he did that with a a disciplined defensive block with Solomon Rondon up front, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. That tells you everything you need to know. Why? Why does it? It's a long time in football. You go back three years. Those players were in the prime. Look at them now. What, Jamal LaSalle? Your hero? Was in his prime. I don't. I don't need to add any more to that to her. Well, you do because he didn't have set maximum to 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 create the goals. He didn't have Callum Wilson to stretch defenses and score the goals. He had Rondon. Yeah, but you also had Ayuso Perez, who was exceptional in the Benitez. Was he better than set maximum? No. Was he better than Callum Wilson? But he's still very good. Was he? Was he good? You can't compare Callum Wilson and Perez. Why not? I just did because he was more of a winger. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry, Adam. I, I think Harry got confused when I was asking you that question. He thought he, he thought you were called. He was called Adam. Um, yeah, but but what do you think on that? Do you think Benitez would have been a better fit for this? Uh, the question I put on Twitter, which he disagreed with, was: Do you think that Everton would be better with an Eddie Howe type manager, and Newcastle would be better with a Rafa Benitez type manager in the current situations? 
Yeah, the the stylistically, I think when Unai Emery was linked to the job, you thought, yeah, yeah pit, yes, like the perfect man, the perfect man, defensively solid. He's got a team playing football. He knows, you know, when he's got the players, he's capable of playing good attacking football. Mm-hmm. But fundamentally, he's a great defensive coach, and that was exactly what Newcastle was screaming out for. And and Eddie Howe, you know, a sort of, I don't know what he classes himself as, but as a football fan and as a journalist and as a writer, I look at him as a, you know, a coach that first and foremost is an attacking-minded coach and possession style and, you know, always on the trying to be on the front foot. And I don't think that was the right right appointments. And I met, you know, asked Harry before, who's making the decisions at the club? Is there a sporting director? Is there a director of football? Is there someone, you know, aside from from the the ownership, who who are making these footballing decisions? And he said he's unsure, and that's probably quite worrying for Newcastle fans. Is, is that you've got all this money and you've got all all of these, you know, riches that they they've got off the pitch, but on the pitch it's dire, and it's going to continue to be dire because I don't think the how is the right man for the job. And that's not to say he's not a good coach, but for the job, he wasn't right. And Benitez, or a manager of, of that sort of ilk, was perfect for the job. So, sorry, God, sorry. That's, that's just what I I think. And, and Harry will know it a lot greater than I will because he watches Newcastle every week and they may be getting better defensively or, you know, we all know they need new players and they will continue to bring players in for the rest of the window. But... A defensive coach will, will keep you up. People, the, everyone says defense wins leagues, and I, I defense will keep you up as well. So, you know, first and foremost, Newcastle can't go back to being the entertainers when you don't have a defense. Mm. Like poetry, Adam. Harry, spot on. To be fair, I do think Eddie Howe is the right man for the job. Uh, I just think. If you compare us to when we were under Bruce, yes, results haven't really improved. I think we would have lost a lot more games than we, you know, we've picked up quite a lot of draws. I think a lot of them would have been defeats. He's inherited a poor squad that is poor defensively and unfit. If any of you guys have seen any of the quotes from Callum Wilson's podcast with Mikel Antonio, where they talked about the first game of the season against West Ham, he turned around and said that after half time, they weren't fit enough and just physically could not handle playing against the Premier League side of that quality. And, you know, they've been doing this for how long until Bruce got sacked? So the fitness mm. levels weren't there for a start there. And mm. when, you're not, when you're not a good football team and you're unfit, how many games are you going to win? Not many. Yeah. So I think it's harsh to judge Eddie Howe. He's inherited a poor squad. But I do think that a more defensive coach may have got better results. But is Benitez the answer? No, absolutely not. I think that ship sailed. Well, I, I've sort of, I was thinking this when he got sacked. Is, is the boat sailed for Rafa in, in terms of getting a job in the Premier League again? Mm. Is he in that same, you know, category and say, is he going to be spoken about the same as Mourinho, where you think they were great 10 years ago, but football's moved on and the way that the Premier League has moved on and he's not, his the way that he wants to play football isn't right for the Premier League. The same with the Mourinho, I think, you know, I don't think he, there's going to be. I don't think there's a world right now in which Mourinho succeeds in the Premier League if he came back, hmm. just because of the way that he sets up his team. And the same with Rafa. Hmm. I think there's a. I just it might be outdated. And the the way that Rafa's quite a cold coach, and you you see hmm. players put a jacket on, <laughs> but some love it and some hate it. But for the modern player, that might not work, and hmm. and that's. I don't think. It didn't work out with Everton this time, but I don't think it'll work out again. I just, I don't know. Can, can I say, though, to be fair, though, Adam, uh, there is, we're, we're going to probably get onto Benitez now, actually, but the, you could say it wouldn't work out with Everton. You could have said that before it even started. I mean... Yeah, absolutely. 80 90% of the fans hated him from minute one. They wanted him to fail. They didn't want him at the club. I remember when they won the first game, I think against Southampton 3-1, there were still some fans outside going, Oh, this feels weird. We don't, we don't, you know, we've won, but Rafa Benitez is in charge, Liverpool legend. Even then, you know, there was still a bit of, mm, I'm not too sure we want Benitez. And I think in the first four games in the Premier League, they won the first three out of four. 
and they drew one. They were unbeaten. Everyone thought, oh, it's working now. And then all of a sudden, I think the big the big thing, and uh, we are on Benitez chat now, I just decided because <laughs> we just jumped in there. But the big thing for Benitez, really, when it was all going well, he had Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He was playing to his strength so brilliantly. 4-4-2, balls into the box yeah. as soon as you could possibly get them in. Calvert-Lewin thrives off aerial balls, and he was doing wonderfully well. As soon as he got injured, they lost that focal point in attack. And he was injured for months and months. He's literally just come back in the past couple of weeks. So for a long period of time, the way Benitez wanted to play to the strength of Calvert-Lewin, he wasn't able to do it. And when he had to bring Rondon in on a free because they were desperate, Rondon came and he wasn't fully fit. So, and this was also at a time, I think Rondon started playing when Richarlison was also injured. So it's not been easy, has it really, from the get-go for Benitez? He was he was screwed by injuries. He started really yeah. well, and they had a clear identity. As soon as you saw, he you know he brought in Townsend and he brought in Damari Gray. You knew exactly what he wanted and what he was mm-hmm. going for, and they played exactly as he asked in the first few games, and he won them. And the problems at Everton are deep rooted, and it's far greater yeah. than Rafa Benitez. You know, from top to bottom, it's, it's rotten at its core. And that's not me saying that as a as a Liverpool fan. That's just me saying it as a football fan. They're in, you know, Farad Mashiri has, has got the money and he's got all these ideas, but the execution of it is horrific. Mm. One of the worst run football clubs in the country. Absolutely. And it's quite telling when there's so many poor, poorly run clubs. They, 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 they lack identity on the pitch and they lack it off the pitch as well. They don't know where they're going. Um, but on the Rafa point, yeah, it, it was very unfortunate the way that it played out for him because, as you said, he was up against it from minute one, and the injuries come and the squad depth was absolutely non-existent. Mm. He wasn't able to spend money in the in the in the transfer window, and, and he knew all that going into the season. Mm. And I suppose taking the job, he's just praying and he's hoping that he doesn't get injuries because if he does, he's absolutely finished. Yeah, I'm not played out, played out, and, and I'm sure he brought Rondon in as this backup for Calvert yeah. Lewin, having worked with him previously at Newcastle, thinking, well, he scored goals in the Prem before, mm. you know, he's not going to be my starting striker, but he's in, you know, a similar build to to Calvert Lewin in the way that they they'll attack the ball in the box, but he, you know, Rondon's days seem mm. like his best days are behind him. And it just didn't work out. And it's a shame because, you know, I, I said previously just then that I, th- I think Rafa Breen says maybe finishing the Premier League. And, it's, and that might be an unfair um, mm. unfair take because he was up against it so much. It'd be interesting to see him with another job. But mm. I don't know. Maybe. Everything was up against him this time out. Yeah, I mean, Harry, just before we, you know, obviously Benita didn't get a lot of things right. We'll go on to the more specifics of that and we'll touch on it as, as Adam opened up with the Mashiri point and the ownership being as being as dire as it, as it is really um, for, a, for a club with so much money. But like I say, Benitez up against it from the start, really solid starting point, giving them a, giving them a, a platform, giving them a, an identity, something they'd really liked, particularly under Ancelotti, I thought, actually. In the latter stage of Ancelotti's reign, I thought they were entering games without really much of an idea, without really much of a plan. Were they defensive? Did they want to play on the front foot? Again, he was another manager, I think, that didn't do well post-Moyes. I don't think there has been a successful Everton manager post-Moyes in many ways. So I think Benitez joins that long list of, of managers that, you know, well, I suppose many of the managers had a good spell and then it quickly fell off. Benitez had a very short good spell of about three or four games, then it started to quickly fall off. But Harry, I mean, if you, it's not, it wasn't just Calvert Lewin. I mean, at, the, at that time when Calvert Lewin got injured, we've had Richarlison with numerous injury problems. Imagine not having your two main strikers at a football club. And at Everton, Richarlison and Calvert Lewin are arguably the two best players at the football club. No doubt about it, he's been dealt with yeah. a really, really tough hand, hasn't he, Benitez? But I think that it was the right decision to, to get mm. rid of him. I don't yeah. think anybody yeah. can disagree with. With that, I mean, he's won one game in 13. Yes, he's had right. he's had injury issues, like you said, but that Everton side, I'd like to think, is still capable of winning a couple of games and certainly winning that one yeah. yesterday against Norwich. But I just think that, like Adam said, that the, the problems at Everton run so much deeper than the manager. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of the fans, I mean, Everton fans are quite entertaining on Twitter if, you, if you're a non-Everton supporter. I mean, it, it's been a right laugh over the last couple of weeks. Like, I thought Newcastle were dysfunctional. My <laughs> God, Tulasi and Everton. Jesus. Yeah, so yeah. there's a lot that needs to be changed. I think 
Mashiri personally, there's a lot of issues with him. Yeah. Does he want to be involved in the football club? Does he not want to be involved in the football club? How much of a handling is he having on it? Because I mean, it's it seems like he signed El Ghazi. Yeah. How much is he getting in the ear off this agent as well? Is it Coutinho's agent? Is yeah. he's who he's okay. close with, who seems to be advising him quite a lot as well. Yeah. Benitez didn't want El Ghazi. So why are you even bringing him in in the first place makes no sense. Yeah. And then the whole thing with Luca Dean as well, which we've not yeah. spoken about. So, oh, you know, yeah. Everton backed Benitez. They brought in <laughs> Mikelenko and Patterson, two, two fullbacks that Rafa specifically wanted. They sacked Marcel Brands for Benitez for him to take more of a control on football than matters. Sold Luca Dinia, who I still think is one of the best left backs in the league. I know he wasn't the best for them, you know, yeah. last season, but still, I, I, he's, he's top quality. I mean, I, he'd get into most Premier League sides. Yeah. And, you know, they doubled down on Rafa, sold him, and then have <laughs> sacked him a few days later. <laughs> so good, the club are just a total mess. And I'm yeah. sure we're going to get onto his potential replacement yeah. <laughs> because I am convinced at this point, Everton yeah. Football Club is a social experiment. Yeah, <laughs> bit like bit, a bit like Ashley ran Newcastle, I suppose. In many ways, wasn't it? maybe. I don't envy maybe. his lads. <laughs> <laughs> I think it. Yeah, it's it, it's absolutely crazy, isn't it? I mean, yeah. <sighs> well, we'll touch on his replacement, on his potential replacement in a second. The two Ruben names, one of them makes a lot more sense to me than the other. The other one's slightly more comical, but some would argue it's probably still an upgrade on, on the current situation. In terms of Benitez generally, just to go back to Benitez, would you know, I, I tried to give the, the the positivity at the start and the identity that he brought and played to Cabot Lewis strength and the issues he's had with injuries, with the fans relenting against him, etc. Um what were the general issues do you think at Everton uh, in terms of Benitez? Do you think obviously the style of play was bad, but I suppose it's similar in in many ways, I guess, Harry, to maybe maybe Steve Bruce when, when he was at Newcastle, he used to play quite a pragmatic brand of football, which would be okay if the defence was organised and could keep shut, shut, shut teams out. And it seems like Everton were doing that. I mean, I remember one thing uh, some of my Everton fan friends were telling me was that Luca Dean, a primarily attacking-minded left-back, was basically told not to go past his winger, basically hold his position defensively. And that's not going to get the best out of Luca Dean, who is, whose strengths, as I say, are going forward, certainly not defending okay defender but nothing special much better going forward do you think that the pragmatism Benitez had you know you can't really get away with that for too long if you don't have the results to back that up whereas if you try and play a bit more expansively try and entertain you've got a little bit more leeway with the supporters particularly Everton supporters who demand really with all that money being spent a better brand a better style of play I just think with Benitez and it was a bit of an issue at Newcastle really I mean he was he's loved up here and still is Mm very stubborn as a manager yeah. and he'll not change. He'll not, he'll not switch anything during a game. And I think, you know, Everton stuck with that like four, two, three, one, nine all season. I've seen a lot of Everton fans were turning around and saying that they were being overran in midfield. Yeah. And, you know, you've got 3000 supporters in the way and shouting at the being overran. How can the manager not see that? Get it changed. The persistence yeah. with Solomon Rondon up front as well. Mm-hmm. Clearly not fit. He'd been out in China for God knows yeah. how long. Yeah. Why, why is a young lad not been, been given yeah. a, a shot there and I think also as well you talked about Dean Yane not allowed to go past a certain part of the pitch yeah. he's probably made an evaluation of that squad in the start of the season and went look it's a results based business now I've got to come in here and get results Yeah, and this defence and this midfield aren't good enough to play yeah. the sort of football that I want to do because at Newcastle the last you know for a lot of the games we really stunk the place out played some yeah. horrific football both would grind out results Yeah, and, and that's the difference the last six yeah, the last six months of the season under Benitez, when he you know he eventually did leave, we actually started playing some really really good stuff. Once he got armor on in, and we played a little bit more, you know, further forwards. But yeah. we had no injuries. He's lost Richarlison to Calvert Lewin, so yeah. we'll never know what could have been. Decore Allen as well, you know, we never could known, but From day of dot, they should never ever have appointed Benitez. No, because at the end of the day, it's like Sunderland appointing Kevin Keegan. Yeah, spot on, and it's a great, a great analogy, really. Uh, really, really, or oh, 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 Liverpool appointed Sir Alex Ferguson. <laughs> that would be an interesting one, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would really be interesting. But yeah, I mean, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Really, you know, the is, it, the if the results come, you can sort of accept it more. The results don't come, you can't. You can do a pragmatic style. It has worked in the past. I at Newcastle, it didn't work with Everton. Maybe it did at the start, but they were a bit more free flowing till the injuries. When you have that, Adam, when you have that pragmatic, I mean, when you look actually at Everton, the squad, the players. 
it's a recurring problem of this. A lot of these players have been around for a while, haven't they? And if you go back over the years, under Carlo Ancelotti, I used to watch some games thinking, God, they've gone down with a wimp here. And if it wasn't Carlo Ancelotti in charge, there'd be more of an uproar from more of the Everton fans who were just happy to have Carlo Ancelotti in charge of the football club. Last year, they finished 10th. They finished 10th and they signed James Rodriguez, Allen and Decore. And everyone... And they should have got Champions League. They, they won at Anfield and they were they were only like, I think they were like three points off the Champions League mm. and they were in the top four for a period of time. Mm. And then I think they'd lost like, I think they lost most of the last 10 games and mm. it carried on to this season. That, I mean, the club is really, really poorly run, as I said before, but the pay, the players are so yeah, poor. They really are. Really, really, are. really poor. And, you know, I must they bought a Wobi for 30 million. What is that about? Yeah. yeah. It's just, they're, they're really up against. It's amusing, I, you know, with somebody with Liverpool links, it's amusing to see my mates just having meltdown after meltdown. We love to of, see it. We love to see them having meltdown. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> but, you know, to, I wouldn't want to, I don't envy them. I don't want to be in their, in their shoes watching that every week. Yeah, I can vouch for it. I, some of my closest friends are Everton fans, and again, I love to see them in in a crisis, in a football crisis, not a personal crisis. But uh, they were they were having yeah they were having kittens at the idea of you know Benitez in charge at the start, and it's been a roller coaster, generally quite da- with downward trajectory quite a few months. So they're absolutely delighted with the news that he's gone. They're absolutely delighted. But like you, but like I was saying, Adam, and you, you, you're absolutely spot on. The players have to take some accountability. These players have been around for a long time, for quite a few managers. And it seems like, reminds me a bit of Man United, actually, Harry, that they can sort of turn it on and off like a tap, except the standard of player at Everton is obviously lower than Man United. But the same principles seem to apply. Oh, if I don't, if I can't be bothered today, I'll, you know, only give 80% or 75%. You know, you give that in a Premier League and the other team gives 100, you're going to lose. That attitude could get them relegated as well. Exactly. Because I've seen it with Newcastle the first time we went down, you yeah. know, 2008, 2009. That squad should never have got relegated. Remember the likes of Mike Malone playing for us up front? Yeah. And they got relegated. So yeah. if, if Newcastle, Watford or Burnley get themselves together, stop pulling some wins together and Everton, you know, get this managerial appointment wrong next. Yeah. And doesn't I don't think they can spend a lot of money now either with FFP no. and that sort of thing. They're in serious trouble. Yeah. Because if a, if a new man comes in, you know what Goodison's like, it's toxic. And you know, like we've seen it under Benitez, I don't think it'll get that bad. No, but, no. You know, relegation for Everton would be catastrophic because would they even get back up? Well, exactly. As, you know, my, talking to my my friends who are Everton fans, and I said I put the question to them: If you got relegated, are you confident you'd come back up? And not one of them thought they'd, they'd come back up. No, because you, you could see them just becoming. You know, a team that Sunderland who just dropped down the division and dropped down because they're so poorly ran. And I suppose that they've got the two good to do that. I suppose if it gets to a point where in the summer there's a lot of talk that Tottenham want Pickford and, and Calvert Lewin, and you know, if they lose the core of that team and, and they're left with the like the, the likes of a Wobi and you know, Yeti Mina at the back and Michael Keane, who's adamant on scoring a, an own goal every other week, then. <laughs> they could have go down, which, and and they put the question to me: Would you be happy if we went down? I, and no, to be honest, I love seeing Everton just because if, if they if they have this fail in the championship, it's not as you know yeah. you start to feel sorry for them. Yeah. But in the Premier League, it it becomes this you know you get to play them twice every year. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, they'll not Do, go down the world. I mean, they're, they're, they're just lucky, aren't they? They're lucky. There's four. Awful teams below them, aren't they? Wash yeah. your mouth out, Harry. <laughs> Wash your mouth out. Being nice. Now, t- I tell you what, though, just on, just on that topic, let's let's say they did, right? How many of those players, and we can name names, would be touted by some of the bigger Premier League clubs? You said Pickford. I think Adam Lee and then Richarlison, Calvert Lewin. Yeah. I think I think Decore. The thing is, they could, oh, right. they could sell. They could probably make about a hundred million on player yeah. sales and do yeah. what Newcastle did. I think we made like eighty million off Wijnaldum, and the silk or yeah. and then they be able to rebuild but if they spend it correctly yeah Newcastle's done quite a good job because like you'll see now a lot of them players from the championship are still in our squad now and Everton aren't known for their fantastic recruitment so they, they you know it's, it's not really worth thinking if you're an Everton fan but I think they'll be all right just yeah, yeah. okay well, so go on I was just saying or you know saying all this it it just 
it's an even bigger task for the man that comes in. Yes. The fact that we're saying this and we're saying we're not even saying this tongue in cheek. It's no. serious no. talk that Everton have a, a squad who you know two or three players away from potentially being relegation candidates. So the next man that they bring in, it's such a big appointment, and I don't think Everton fans are too you know got too much hope that the club will get it right because they don't tend to. Right. And I suppose you know it brings us on to our next point. Yes. Of, Who's going to be the man in the dugout? So this has been split 50-50 now by two candidates that are reportedly Duncan Ferguson, who's been uh, you know around the coaching staff at Everton for a long time, and Roberto Martinez, who was the first manager to replace David Moyes way back when. Now, to be fair, I said before that every manager that's replaced David Moyes has ended up flopping. I'd say David Moyes, uh, David Moyes, I'd say Roberto Martinez was probably the best of that bunch because he got fifth in his first season, played some brilliant football to get fifth. Bit of a disappointing second season as they combined that with European football, and then another disappointing third season as well without the European football, uh, to which he lost his job on the final day of the season of that season, which was which sums Everton up, doesn't it, really? If you're going to sack a manager, why would you do it on the final day? doesn't make any sense. But all, I mean... I think, and I think you're in agreement, that while Martinez did do well back in the day with that team and then for a short period and then it went went downhill, bringing him back a very, almost the polar opposite of Benitez, all-out attack, no defensive organisation. This will also be without Romelu Lukaku, by the way, who who helped to prop up his team massively when he was in charge. It was a better team that he had back in, back then as well, by the way, a significantly better Everton team. Well, it was the one that Moyes just, just left. I think that could honestly propel them in an even worse direction because yeah. you can't just switch styles like that and that squad's painfully average. They need someone, surely, who can get them to defend, first and foremost, and Martinez isn't that man. No, well, Dunn came in as a caretaker role, didn't he? And he, he yeah. done quite well, but never got the job. Um, and Roberto Martinez, as you said, came in and done really well in that first yeah. season. But that was mainly because the, the you know, the the fundamental defensive plan was already in. It was already, yeah. you know, in it was a good team, a really good squad. Coleman, team, Baines, Lukaku. They, they didn't, you know. I, I can only imagine he'd walk in the door and Moyes had left with a really good defensive setup and just mm. said, just carry on doing what you're doing, lads. And then he he put his attention to the, the attacking side. And, and, you know, we all know he's a really good attacking coach, yeah. but defensively, that's where his problems lie. And it's the sort of same situation Newcastle in when they made that decision to bring in an attacking, attacking coach in, in how. Mm. They can't bring in Martinez. It's going to end in disaster. And mm. It might not end in, in promote in relegation, but I can't promotion say next it. year, Adam. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. It's not I, I'd be very, very surprised. One, if he come, if he actually takes the job, mm. he's not. A, we've seen him as a pundit on on Prime, and we've seen him do various stuff, and he comes across as quite a knowledgeable fellow, and yeah. he, he's very switched on, and he knows what that club's like when it's not doing well and he'll know right now it's not doing well and he can't be that desperate and it's quite telling if he does take the job at how desperate he is because you know it, it really is will not end well it's, it's madness isn't it i mean harry it's like it's like um it's like a, a parody it's like a satire the idea that after everything you go back to the start which was you know another manager manager that left in, under you know with the, with the with the declining record as Everton manager, you it, it just the mind boggles, doesn't it? And do you also concur that it could actually send them closer to that dreaded drop zone than you know propelling them further away? I agree, but what are the Everton board thinking? You know they've had <laughs> all this abuse for Benitez and bringing him yeah. in, which I think Mashiri was probably the one that was orchestrating. Yeah, it, it was, it was. But you know, you have got this big boardroom. You probably turned around and went like, right, okay, next manager Benitez is gone. Let's get someone who the fans like <laughs> or have no relationship with at, at all. Yeah. Ideally, not a former Liverpool legend, which you yeah. know does help. Yeah. And get someone who plays decent football and is a bit of a passion merchant. That's Gerard Hulier. <laughs> that's all the. That's all the fans want. 
someone like maybe Duncan Ferguson with a bit better, well that's the other one isn't it experience that's the other one but I've just this is a cracking thing from an Everton fan page here about Martinez I mean yeah. fans don't really like Martinez either which doesn't help so <laughs> finished 5th 11th and 11th yeah players complained about training particularly the lack of defensive drills which explains the moist thing that Adam yeah. said there yeah. Yeah. he took Everton to court for additional compensation he has no job in club football since leaving Everton. He's awful defensively and is awful at defending set pieces. And he's finished it off with, welcome back, Bobby. Tells you everything <laughs> you need to know about that football club, doesn't it? Yeah, I... Yeah, wow, that, that's perfect. It's perfect. Fans can be poetic sometimes. Was there any swearing in there that you've edited out? No, there wasn't. Oh, <laughs> Got them all out for the Benitez saga. Okay, okay. <laughs> just, just, just to play, just to go on the other side of the coin then. We also said Duncan Ferguson was there. Now, Duncan Ferguson obviously comes with very minimal managerial experience. Uh, he's also a bit of a... I mean, if you've seen, if you've seen that video of him uh, motivating a school child to do his homework, it's one of, one of the funniest things I think I've ever seen. And he sent it... To, <laughs> I can't repeat what he said because it's got swearing in it, hasn't it? But it's one of the most, I don't know, Alan Partridge-esque things. I don't know, maybe... It reminds me a bit of, you know, when... Um, Oh, who? Oh, what's his name now? The Arsenal centre back, the Tony Adams. When Tony Adams went to uh, coach in Spain, and he says, "Oh, I'm going to make them work there." Part of my French, arses off. So, <laughs> and it reminds me a bit of that. It's all sort of old school. I mean, it, it it does. It would be quite interesting. I actually personally think Adam that this route, despite the obvious flaws to it, makes miles more sense because he loves the club. In that very brief time he was caretaker manager, he did actually get a response out of the players. I think he's quite well liked. Uh, I don't think he's going to be tactically a shooter or anything like that, but do Everton need that now or do they just need someone to give them the proverbial look up the backside? They need the feel-good factor back and he's, he's exactly what they need. You know, he's sort of been staring them in the face the whole time. It would be, you know, be quite funny if the, this whole time Dunk was the actual perfect man. Yeah. And, he, you know, he's been... Number two to Angelotti, and he's been number two to Rafa, and he'll get this caretaker job, and he'll do well, and he ends up getting the job full time, and he'll probably end up doing quite a good job of it because mm-hmm. he is a he's Everton through and through, despite his, you know, just despite being Scottish and, and what have you. He's, he's... <laughs> <laughs> is that a flaw? <laughs> you sound to really no. sound like it was despite being Scottish. I still give no, him a <laughs> You know, despite not being, it's a shame, brought, but... <laughs> despite not being brought up, you know, as an Evertonian, uh, he's bought he's bought into the club and he's bought into everything. You know, the ethos about the club. I, I think he's got a tattoo of Everton and all that. So, you know, he's he's quite quite a you know an avid Everton fan. And by the sounds, but he's a really decent bloke as well. Yeah, and yeah, they need that feel good factor back, and that's exactly the sort of character that they need. If it's not him, then someone. You know, similar, but I, I think at this point, I don't, I can't see a top coach wanting the no. job, and I, and I think he's the perfect guy because he'll he'll take the job if it's offered to him. And, and you can see him adopting, you know, defensive drills. He knows how Benitez has worked, so he won't do anything drastically different. You'd imagine tactically, because that's just really silly, isn't it? On a on a playing squad that's been used to pragmatism for for quite a while, but you'd imagine he'll use that pragmatic model and basically get them doing it better. I suppose because on the Benitez they were you they were doing it and they were doing it, you know, in a half-assed way. So I, not mentioned is Rooney even a candidate? Is he, yeah, is well, that's in, yeah. I was going to yeah. He's well, no, no. The, so the two the well, two, Martinez two reported were Martinez and Dun, uh, Duncan Ferguson. Other other suggestions were Wayne Rooney. I actually think you're going to laugh at me, uh, but I think even though he's already been there. Isn't this the perfect kind of job for Sam Allardyce to come in and just basically... No, to, you no. don't think? You don't think? It's so toxic. You don't Ima- Imagine Brucey. Never <laughs> dug out leg and feet. <laughs> oh, no, but I know. I'm more thinking about the, the crazy nature of Everton to appoint a former manager and that be Sam Allardyce, him saying I'm happy to be back. But he would, he would essentially have them playing in... I mean, obviously, apart from... If we take the West, West Brom recently out of context where he, he actually did quite a good job it just probably came a bit too late really when West Brom went down he, he does usually get a reaction out of his players he, in the short term usually you don't want him around forever but in the you know, for a few months you don't think I wouldn't even wish Sam on Everton I don't think Adam would either and he's a Liverpool fan well they've already had him haven't they been there before and he, he's 
No, he's not liked at that close. <laughs> oh, no, he's not. But neither, well, we neither was Martinez. <laughs> Who no, was liked no, at Everton? No, yeah, exactly. Dunk. No, no. <laughs> no you're a big dunk. <laughs> One of our mates said actually, as soon as Marco Silva lost his challenge, I said, Who do you want in charge? Big dunk. Ancelotti got yeah, it. I said, dunk's you... always the answer. I said, we, we, had it Newcastle <laughs> we, had, we had it here because when Pardew left for Palace, like, we were all buzzing when he left because we were <laughs> sick of the sight of Alan Pardew. Uh, everyone was like, Yeah, give it to John Carver. <laughs> he's a Geordie, he'll, you know, he'll have them running through brick walls. And we went from like ninth to 17th <laughs> on the final day. Uh, the same could happen with Dunk. Like, it's great for a couple of weeks, but yeah. imagine that till the end of the season. Yeah. No tactics at all with that squad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you touched on Wayne Rooney, actually. I mean, he's doing an unbelievable job. Honestly, unbelievable at Derby. I never thought, I think he's doing as good as anyone could do. They, they, they've lost 21 points due to deductions and they could still survive. Yeah. You're not even bottom of the table. Yeah. I think. It sounds like he's really committed to. Yeah, it does. That's why I think even if he was offered the job, he probably out of respect and and sort of you know. Does that exist in the modern game? Well, not in bucket loads, but I hashtag think Chris really, Wood. <laughs> but I, I do think if he was offered the job, yeah. he, despite it being the club that he supports all his life, I, I I still think he'd turn it down, which is you know testament to how he's come across as a coach, and I, I don't think. Any of us has had him down as you know being a, a great coach after you know the way that he comes across in interviews. Yeah. Oh but, no! To be fair, Adam, I looked at him. I thought he sounds so eloquent. I thought he'd yeah. be great at you know talking he, to the players. Can't knock him. He's done a really good job, and yeah. I think is it Redden or above? Redden above yeah. them, or you mean below? Oh yeah, no, above, above. They are above. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, they're the, they're in twenty first, I think, at the moment. I, th- I think they'll sell the way that the, you know they're doing so. Under the circumstances, they won two on the weekend despite mm. losing Jackie Elke because they weren't able to extend his contract. It's, it's madness, just, isn't it? It's it's mental how, how good he's doing, and I suppose yeah. you know, sort of the circumstances at Derby. If he can do it under that, then he'll probably be able to do it anywhere. So, yeah, it, it's maybe a possibility where you give it to Dunk for the rest of the season, and maybe Rooney takes it on. Yeah, in the summer, we we you know we don't know, but. Yeah, Ro- Rooney I, has experience of the championship, doesn't he? So, well. <laughs> there's not a lot of managers out there for them to get, though. So, like, no. why not Wayne Rooney? They've tried like everything else that club, and nothing seemed to work, nothing stuck. And the yeah. job he's doing at Derby, I know we've like spoke about it there, but I don't think he'd leave them. All right, I'll tell like, you what, that, the club's in like disarray yeah. with everything going on. I mean, players are getting sold, like, yeah, I think they just sold one of the players for 30 grand to Wigan, who's like one of the best players because of like the administration situation. Mental, Mental. I don't think uh, Rooney will go, but I think he'd be a good fit. He'd be good. He's been pre- he's been paying for their hotel out of his own money, hasn't he? For, for I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah so, fair play to him. Yeah, so yeah, fair, fair play. Definitely. All right, just before we finish off, then uh, best possible Everton manager, most realistic possible, and worst possible Everton manager. In brief, and can I, I think I think we sort of discussed it. I I, I think best semi realistic. I I like I really like the idea of Rooney. Like you've said, and and I don't know why that's why I'm saying best possible, given that Evertonian is working with a real mess at the moment. He's inexperienced, but he's, I bet he's learned a hell of a lot in the past six, you know, past couple years or so. I think he's been, you know, terrific in in, in real adversity, and, and not many managers will have that. I think realistically, it, it probably will be Duncan Ferguson. Probably, um, just seems to make the most sense in the short term because there's so much disarray going on at the moment. And then I think worst case will be Roberto Martinez. I just think that could be, you know, this is a club in crisis. It could get in even more crisis and, you know, tiptoe perilously close to the drop zone under a completely new kind of philosophy where the players, you know, just, just are completely bemused and defensively fragile. Yeah, I second that. In fact, I think Rooney, I think a sort of testament to how much, how highly we all think of him is that, you know, if in the in a world in which he says, I can't take the job now, but if you offer me in the summer, I'll take yeah. it. I think Everton should have Dunk as an interim until then. And then he he gets the job on a full-time basis. And, mm. you know, as Harry said, what, you know, they've tried everything. So they're going to have to go for someone like that at some point. And why not him? And, you know, it's sort of, not don't rush to a decision, but why not, 
give Dunk the chance to prove himself and until now the end of the season because you know as we've said we've seen him do a decent job um as an interim previously and and why not again because so yeah but Rooney is probably the the candidate I'd say would be the best fit yeah what about Brucey Harry oh we start with the best first um Graham Potter for me yeah. like if they can pull him away from Brighton that would be that would be yeah. such a good that would be a great appointment for Everton. I think we all see him as a future England manager as well. I think Graham Potter, for me, would be the best. Who I think will get it? I think we'll go for Martinez, to be fair. They've already sounded out the Belgian FA. He's keen on a move back uh, to, to club football because he was linked with Newcastle, really wanted it. £2 million to get him out of his clause of Belgium as well. So I think Martinez, worst possible. Do you want us to say it? Yeah. Steve Bruce. No! <laughs> or Sam. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's enough of that podcast. This is like this, this is the Steve Bruce Appreciation Hour, usually. So we can't. <laughs> You've ruined it. You've ruined it. Harry. Alex Sven Bruce Bot- is going to give us a negative review now. <laughs> Sven Botman's just scored for Lille, so his price tag's got up another 20 million. There you go. There you go. It's going to be 100 million on deadline day. 100 million. <laughs> 100 fan. Just get Alex Bruce. And uh, yeah, I suppose that that rounds off that rounds off another wonderful podcast. We didn't actually talk about Man United, but I'm sure that's going to come up with a top four special, really. So I, did, I was hesitant to go. We always talk about everyone talks about Man United. Let someone else do it. Listen to another podcast. Actually, don't. Well, listen to them after us. Uh, give us a listen. You have. Give us a review. Fantastic. Positive reviews help to stretch the reach of the podcast. And we appreciate all those five star ratings that come our way. Four stars are good too, but five are better. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Adam. Thank you for having me on. Thanks to Harry. Yep, thanks for having us on, Matt. Yeah, and for all those listening, take care, stay safe, and don't attend any work events. <laughs>